Hi, this is Brooke Lurie, and this is the Brooke Lurie Podcast. With me again is my producer and friend, Ari David. Always a pleasure. We, um, we are living a time where uh, Gaza is in the news all the time, as well as Russia and uh, Ukraine. And we see a world on fire. Uh, Syria, we see um, China making its noises as well. Uh, th- there are big problems throughout the world. And um, we're, we're in trouble. This, this world is really in trouble. And as uh, Peggy Noonan said in the Wall Street Journal, um, the world is disappointing, President Obama. Uh, you know, this, this man, um, the way he operates and the way he had um, moved forward with his whole agenda in the administration is that everyone will line up behind him, not just the America, you understand, but the entire world will... Uh, be, will become Obamaized, and uh, everyone will see the light because they've got such a great president named Barack Obama, and he will uh, take care of everything. And everyone will now understand, you know, with the reset button, so to speak, not just of Russia but the entire world and all the understandings among the uh, among the major players in the world. But here we are, five and a half years later. How did this turn out? Everything is in disarray. Everything's falling apart. And. Uh, the good news is, of course, that our military is drastically reduced in the process. So, you know, I'm sure that, that helps a lot. Oh, what's that you say? It doesn't help at all? Oh, right, right. Having a smaller military actually compounds the problem. So, it, it, look, this begs the whole issue. And, and, and another major thing we're seeing, and this is what I kind of want to drill down on, is anti-Semitism. Look, Anti-Semitism is not just a Jewish issue. It may seem so. I mean, after, war, after all, anti-Semitism is associated solely with Jews. But anti-Semitism is always the first of things to worry about. It is the beginning, the, the, the canary in the coal mine, right? When you, I mean, to, to explain a little bit further, uh, the, the coal miners used to send down canaries in their coal mines because they were very sensitive for gas, and if there was gas, the canaries would die, and then the coal miners would know, let's not hang around here because we're going we're gonna to die ourselves eventually. So when you say that somebody is, you know, or some group of people is the canary in the coal mine, it means that bad things will start happening to you as well. So the Jews, in many ways, are the canaries in the coal mine. And when you see anti-Semitism rising throughout the world, as we are now seeing in Europe and otherwise, you should be worried because the Jews, as I said, are the canaries in the coal mine. We're seeing um, all sorts of chants in France and England and otherwise. And now, for the first time in my life, we're seeing anti-Semitism demonstrations, big demonstrations in America. Just recently, uh, two days ago, there was uh, Jews had to be evacuated in vans during a, um, a rally that was pro-Hamas, I suppose. And I've never seen anything like it. Um, we have to worry about these things. Now, uh, you know, anti-Semitism, I used to think that it was a thing of the past. When I was uh, in, in high school in the 70s, they talked about anti-Semitism, and we were led to believe it was pretty much a, a thing of the past. And I was very pleased to see it. And, and I thought, okay, well, you know, no more anti-Semitism. Isn't that great? Being a Jew as well and, and, and that the 
America was embracing its Jews uh, would be the norm and, and, and everyone would be happy. Um, you, you get the sense, um, I suppose, like many liberals do, that somehow things are in the past and that uh, human nature changes. And it, it doesn't. It really doesn't. And, you know, for, this is the first time in my life where I'm really beginning to witness serious anti-Semitic actions in France in particular and even in Germany, again, to some extent, lesser extent in England, but even now in the United States, as I just mentioned. And you, you wonder, you know, what, what is going to come of all this? You know, it's, it's really a, it's a very unique moment in history. And is it going to get worse? And unfortunately, I think the answer is yes. It's going to get worse. As we get less and less strong, America gets less and less strong, uh, people will feel more um, ambivalent about Israel. They'll say, you know, why are we, you know, why are we supporting this, this small little country called Israel when we have so many crazies out there that want to, uh, that apparently want to destroy Israel? Let's, uh, you know, they, they, they seem to be on the winning side, at least from a numbers point of view. There's so many of them. And this was the subject of a book that has recently come out, and I'm, unfortunately I forget the author's name, but uh, the book is called How David Became Goliath, and it's about, about Israel and how Israel basically took on a pariah reputation following the Six-Day War, not because of the Six-Day War per se, but because of a variety of many other factors. And one of them was that there's just so many of these bad guys meaning the Palestinians and the Arab terrorists and, and the Islamists. And there's, you know, we, there's just no way we can make up the numbers. We can't beat them on the numbers. And they're growing faster than we are. And so as a consequence, um, people in Europe certainly just got terrified when they saw terrorism. They didn't know what to do with it. And they just said, fine, fine, we'll join you. We'll join your ranks. We won't be supportive of Israel. And, um, and while we're at it, we won't be so supportive of Jews either. You know, we hope they don't get beaten up and such. But, you know, if you do, we'll, it won't be that big a deal. And that's what happens with anti-Semitism, isn't it? It just has always been this way. It's uh, people just turn a blind eye. Mind you, it's not necessarily governments that have been anti-Semitic. It's always been the people that have been anti-Semitic. And, by the way, this is part of one of the major reasons... Uh, that Jews are liberal. If, if you define liberal, the, the, the primary core of being liberal is that they love government, right? The reason why is that the Jews historically always felt that they could fight anti-Semitism in Russia, in Germany, and otherwise by way of the government. The government was the answer to their problems. The government could stop the bad guys. The government was daddy and mommy you know, stopping the school schoolyard bully from beating them up, or the big brother, if you want. Um, and so they had this attitude that government was good. And then they come to this country where all of a sudden it's about limited government. And they got spooked, and they said, whoa, 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 limited government? Who's going to protect us? But they forgot that America is a very different story. It's not an anti-Semitic nation. It's it, When you have a truly democratic society, a, a God-fearing Society, you're not going to have anti-Semitism, not in a democracy. So, but uh, you know, I wonder what's going to happen in America. I wonder what's going to happen in Europe. Um, 
Certainly we know think bad things are happening all throughout the world. This, these are not good times. I, I just wonder. Um, there are images that I'm seeing uh, on, on the news and otherwise that people are throwing out the word Jew a lot. These are, these are bad signs because, as I said on my Sunday show, um, this is a problem that's coming to a theater near you, right? Yeah, they used to at least say Zionist or Israeli. Right. Now they say Jew. Yeah, they're, they're pretty direct about it now. Uh, and, and to some extent, you know, we, we, we don't hide behind it. I mean, Israel is a Jewish nation. It's, it's, a, it's a nation full of Jews. Yeah, but they didn't feel comfortable saying, we hate the Jews, kill the Jews. Right. Because they understood in the politically correct world that didn't look good on TV. Yeah. Now they're not afraid anymore of, of looking that way. They're not afraid. And the other thing is I always thought the big um, vulnerability, say the campus anti-Semites, the BDS, the Muslim Student Association, the pro-Palestinian movement, movements that took place at UC Irvine, UCLA, Ohio State, wherever, always had a big uh, uh, Achilles heel, which was, what if, God forbid for them, that some real neo-Nazis showed up to join them with the skinheads, the tattoos, the Nazi flags, the Heil Hitler, the 88 and the SS salutes. Right, what about... What, what happened? Yeah. You know, well, now they're not afraid anymore because I've seen pictures of a lot of these protests from like Tampa, St. Petersburg, Florida, for instance, and they themselves are bringing Nazi imagery to their own protests now. They're bringing pictures of, of Auschwitz and saying to the Jews who are the counter-protesters, hey, get in the oven. They're not afraid of saying that anymore. And yeah. that's a very bad sign. Yeah. History ebbs and flows, as they say, and history certainly repeats itself over and over again. And and we've seen this from the Bible, we've seen it from history beyond the Bible, that uh, where you uh, let evil flourish, then evil flourishes. Uh, and, and it takes hold. And it, be, and it changes the very dynamic of society. Where, you know, it, it just like, like, like the, um, the reputation of, of Israel has changed in the past 40, 50 years, uh, not rightly, of course, but it just simply has. Things can change in a moment's notice when it comes to the Jews. Now, here in America, it might be a little bit of a, a difference because... Uh, yes, we have Christians here. We have, we have re- you know, true good Christians who are truly in love with Israel, which is great. And they love the Jews, for that matter. But, and we also have a lot of entrenchment among the Jews uh, in American society. From an entertainment point of view, from a political point of view... From a uh, culturally, uh, from a civilization point of view, but all it takes is a little bit of fear, uh, a fear to say that you're Jewish, and then suddenly things turn. They could turn overnight, almost overnight, and it, it just the right. You know, you you ask yourself, how can it be that uh, America would ever be such a, an animal? It'll never happen in America. Well, I'm not saying that that there'll be a sort of Holocaust-type event in, in America. But I, I can say, because of the uniqueness of anti-Semitism, that prevalent anti-Semitism can definitely happen in America. There are a couple of factors that will have to be in play. There has, there, there'll have to be a, 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 a culture of fear, for one thing, which is not hard to do. You can create that. I mean, something absurd, I don't know. I'm going to invent something out of my, my tissue right now. But, for example, let's say... You want to um, you use the IRS to target I don't know conservative groups for example. I mean that would be I know that's absurd, that but would never happen. it would never happen in this country. But I'm just saying, you know, 
the head of the IRS may very well, you know, create, um, I don't know, emails and such that direct, um, it, you know, her subordinates to, uh, to target individuals and, and groups who uh, don't think like the administration want them to think. Anyway, I mean, obviously that's a an imp, imp, totally implausible scenario. Yeah, or another one is um, a uh, a um, epidemic of child molestation erupting from a uh, uh, private uh, preschool in Manhattan Beach called McMartin, where the entire because this happened when my wife lived there, when the entire town went mad. Right. Insanity over seeing child molesters under every rock and every tree. Right. When it actually never happened. Right. And nothing of the sort and happened. It's like, wasn't there in France the uh, Dreyfus trial? Yeah, the that Dreyfus affair. Dreyfus yeah. affair. Well, that was one of the main reasons for the creation of Israel, by the way. But it, it was a launching pad. But anyway, I mean, I, I was obviously being facetious about the IRS emails because it actually is happening. It's a culture of fear. And you're talking in the McMartin thing about something that was truly without basis. But the IRS emails are with basis. And um, there are other culture of, of fears that, that the, I think that this administration are trying to create. Um, they, um, that they certainly argue that uh, those wascally Republicans are trying to keep people poor, uh, that they're trying to entrench themselves you know, with money, uh, that they, they want to destroy all government programs that would otherwise treat them fairly. Aren't they such good people? And force women to have babies if they have sex. There you go. That's right. And, and, and back alley abortions and all those, those terrible... It's a culture of fear. To say nothing, by the way, of global warming. Yeah, I'd even go a step further, which is what I think the great firewall against anti-Semitism taking hold in America like it is elsewhere is the firewall of American exceptionalism. Now, let's just assume, and I know this will never happen, you have a president who publicly scoffs at the idea that America is the exception to the instability of the world. And America is the idea that America is an exceptional place, i.e. different than the rest of the world with how civilized with it, it is compared to the normal state of affairs in the rest of the world is a foolish idea. And let's just assume for a second you have people who are fanatic followers of this president, not that that would ever happen. Oh, no, of course not. Who start to believe that and spread it to others to the point where the entire culture and society starts believing that America is the same as every other nation. Well, then why shouldn't anti-Semitism take place? But we all know that that would never happen. It would never happen. No, no. Thank goodness. Is that good facetiousism? (laughs) Yeah, you were were very, very uh, good in the facetious department. You know, it's not fascism. Uh, no. Jesus. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Why are you saying I'm fascist? <laughs> I can see it now. Well, we all know people, uh, close friends and relatives, who so embrace the Obama Kool Aid. They, they drink the the Obama Kool Aid. You know, why is it so? I, I I'm going to offer some suggestions, but I, I'd like your input, Ari. Here's my my thought that they they embrace the Obama Kool Aid and they are ready to even uh, push forward this culture of fear. They'll say, what are you talking about, Barack? But it doesn't give them pause whatsoever, the IRS emails. Nothing. It doesn't dawn on them, because they have limited memory, apparently. They have selective memory, or they're unable to connect the dots. It doesn't dawn on them that if this were to be a Republican administration doing exactly the same thing, targeting liberal groups that their heads would roll 
there would be calls for impeachment and, and maybe likely would get their impeachment. But it's, uh, it's okay when the liberals do because it's always for a good cause, I, I guess. But what is it about them that, that cannot accept that there is something wrong going on in, in, the, state of dark, uh, in the state of Denmark? Why? Um, this is a, a reference to Hamlet, of course. There's something rotten in the state of Denmark. Why can't, why can't the liberals at least say from time to time, uh, that gives me pause. I, I think, is it because he's the first black president and they want so much to be able to say that they supported the first black president? Is that it? Well, there's two dynamics at work and they're both based on addictive personalities. So essentially the people like that essentially have a big drug problem. Um, the first is cult behavior. It feels good to be a member of a cult. It feels good. Even if it didn't feel... Did you ever, have you ever smoked a cigarette? No. Have you ever known people who are addicted to cigarettes? Of course. Right. If you've smoked a cigarette before, and I've smoked one or two before, I've tried them, it's not a pleasant experience. Yeah, the it seems... The first thing you ask yourself <coughs> when you hack and wheeze is, why would anyone ever do this? Right. Regularly. Right. And the answer is, well, they did it enough to get past the initial pains to the point where it became habit. So even though you and I think in terms of, God, who would ever join a cult? What an idiot thing to do. Well, once you've joined it and you've worshipped a few times and it feels good after a few times, then it just feels like the thing to do. And you develop a pattern of essentially addiction to it where now the idea of leaving it, like quitting smoking, is incredibly discombobulating. Yeah. Okay. So, you know so what? That's that's the first reason, and then the second reason is because that's related to the first. Most people who fall into addictive personalities have an emptiness of their soul. That's why they call like alcoholism and drug addiction diseases of the soul. Obama to them made them feel like something in their soul was getting filled. So when you and I come around with, you realize he's a schmuck. We're criticizing the thing that fills their soul. I think you might be onto something here. Um, it is. Uh, it doesn't actually fill their soul, but they feel it. They feel it, right? They right. Yeah. Just like 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 uh, the cigarettes don't don't fill their soul either. I, you can apply the same argument, and I think I think it's very adept because you and I are also fascinated by these these Americans, not Muslims, Americans who embrace the Palestinian uh, terrorists. They. It, it must, this explains that. I cannot understand these people that are so anti-Israel when everything about Israel is obviously uh, the very thing that they would supposedly embrace. Did the, you see that one, the uh, one with the shirt that says queers for Palestine? Yeah. <laughs> that. It's weird. You're talking about, right? Yeah, exactly weird. Like, why would you do that? Why would you, why, if you were gay, if you're a woman, if you're a minority, if you're any other religion other than Muslim, why would you support the Arab enemies of Israel and not Israel itself. And the, the, the way you described it, I think, you, I think we finally got there. It's, a, it's an addiction of the cult. And it feels good. Uh, it they, they gives them a sense of purpose. Yeah, it doesn't feel good right away, but after doing it a few times, it right. starts to feel It's addictive. Good. And, yeah. and for whatever reason, their association with the underdog, their associations that, that build up with everything else, uh, they feel that they're doing good for the world, which is itself its own addiction. Uh, I think that they have a hard time leaving it. The, the, the notion that everything that they've fought for is wrong 
is very hard. Just like and 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 actually harder than quitting smoking. Right. Harder I, than uh, give, abandoning alcohol altogether. Yeah, it, because it's even more. We say of the in the recovery business, or they say that it's a disease of the soul, but it really isn't. I mean, alcohol is a physical thing. It does affect the brain, et cetera, et cetera. But this is straight to the soul. I had a wonderful book. I stole it out of my grandparents' library because my grandparents came to America, and they had these wonderful ancient books, some of them in the, this one in English, called The History of the Jewish People. And I found it fascinating. It was published in the, like, the 1930s, and it essentially predicted the Holocaust. And I put this in my own book collection and put it somewhere safe because I knew it would be something I'd want to pass to my children, not some other cousins in the family. So I purloined it. And in the book, it talks about the different pogroms and, and persecutions, but it talked about them with a very interesting word that I didn't understand at the time when I was like 9, 10, 11, 12 years old when I first read it. The term was excesses. And the excesses at this pogrom or the excesses that, well, I understand it now. Now that I could put in context excessive behavior, excessive gambling, excessive drinking, excessive partying, you know, when you see, you know, the, you know, teenage excess of, or college age excess of irresponsible behavior in that the pogrom of the, of the Jewish pale in the area of Ukraine, Belarus, and Russia today, which was the pale, was when the perfectly nice men and women who were peasants and workers, the non-Jews in the area, would get a little sauced and decide, ah, it's time to have a pitchfork and, and torch party at the Jews' expense. And let's explode with this behavior that these normally moral people, and, the, and remember, these are not people of the modern age polluted by rock music or other cultural rot that we look at, online pornography, whatever it is. These are people from hundreds of years ago. No, I understand. I, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. It's a question of... Um, Look, I think I think your point about the cult is a good one, and uh, I, I think it explains the anti-Semitism that we're seeing. It's it's an addictive thing and it's to an do. Explosion of expression that feels good when they're doing it, even though it goes against every reasonable value. Well, it, yeah, it's, it's it, look at nighttime. Sometimes I get such cravings that I I have to have have to have something sweet, right? I don't have an alcohol problem. I don't have a cigarette problem. I have a sweet problem. Or maybe a, 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 salt, a saltine type problem, you know, with chips and such. Uh, I crave it, and I just can't control myself. It's not a good thing. It's not logical in many ways, but obviously it's a nutrition issue. That, Better than the beating up some Jews. So that's right. Well, <laughs> but, but for, for them, the, the issue of beating up some Jews and being anti-Semitic, generally speaking, or taking very rapidly anti-Israel positions, I, I think that explains it. Yes, I, I think it explains it very well. Well. Uh, and that's um, that's my fear. I guess we're living in a in a world where this addictive the, the addiction of the cult uh, prevails. It can prevail, and it's always rearing its ugly head. It's not a historical thing. It's it needs to be fought all the time. And it's, when I say it, it is historical, of course, I'm saying it, but it's not only in the in the past. It's it's there. It's it's part. It's there as alcohols. Alcoholism will always be there. It's there as drug addiction will always be there. And we have to, to fight against it. We have to recognize it and fight it wherever we can. Well, my friends, thanks so much for listening. This is Barack Lurie signing off. We'll talk to you next week.